Welcome to the Christian Ministry Church Podcast. We're praying that this message equips and empowers you to live in the kingdom of God. Now for today's message by Pastor Paul Kern. Well, go in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. We are in the Sermon on the Mount series, and uh, we're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 through 18, where Jesus is teaching uh, them how to pray. And, and so let's just kind of encapsulate a couple of things here just to really bring some context to what we've really been trying to accomplish as we've been covering this series with you uh, here in our church. The Sermon on the Mount is about righteousness that comes from the heart, okay? So Jesus was really combating a lot of religious spirits, really. I mean, if you want to call it that, you know, Pharisees and and Sadducees and religious people, they had the outward observances of the law, but not so much the heart life. Religion really tends to focus more on um, the outside, you know, like following rules, external ordinances, and really getting focused on trying to do all of that right. Um, But Jesus really challenges us to evaluate our life by an inner standard, not an outward standard, right? And so it's heart life. It's heart life is what Jesus is all about. And, and don't misunderstand me. I think a visible spiritual life is very important. I think, you know, one of the things that having an authentic relationship with Jesus ought to do in your life is it ought to produce fruit that's visible, right? People ought to be able to see it. So I'm, I'm not against, um, you know, this outward visible life in and of itself. It's not bad. Paul wrote to the Corinthians and he said, I encourage you be imitators of me. He didn't say be imitators of Jesus. He said, be imitators of me. And then he went on to say, follow me as I follow who? Jesus, right? So, you know, having outward fruit is something that's very, very important. As a matter of fact, um, you know, godly men and women for young believers, you know, got, godly men and women that have been living it for a very long time, for a young believer, they play a very important role. You know, I remember when I was a lot younger in Christ, and I'm so grateful that there were men that had decades of legacy under their belt as Christians, who set a great example for me and really encouraged me. You know, they would meet with me and they would talk with me and, you know, and they would slide me some money every now and then and bless me and take me out to lunch and, you know, and, and, and I really always appreciated that because of the example that they set. And so now I try to, you know, pay it forward and do the same thing with with young believers that are coming up under me. So, you know, these, men's were, these men were decades old in their faith, and they really encouraged me. But the, the difference for, for Paul to the Corinthians is that he didn't derive his self-image from the attention that he got. See, that wasn't where Paul got his um, purpose and identity is you know, people recognizing what he was doing and how he was living, and that kind of did something for him. You know, he was a bondservant to Jesus, and, and clearly Paul spent himself for the church, right? He spent himself for God's people. 
And, uh, you know, I, I think people like Paul, men and women like that are worth emulating. I th- in other words, I think we ought to aspire to be like them. You know, you find certain things in people like, man, they've got a quality of faithfulness and they've got a quality of steadfastness and they've got a quality of courage and they've got a, you know, we see these qualities that people walk in and there are things that we ought to want to emulate. So, you know, Paul wasn't doing what he was doing to please anybody other than God who called him. I guess that's really my point. He was doing it because it was real and he loved Jesus. And everything that we've been covering up to this point in the Sermon on the Mount is about that inner condition and it is about this relational connection that they did not have that Jesus had but the Pharisees and the Sadducees did not have a lot of the religious people of the day didn't have they were good at trying to follow the rules and and all the ordinances but they did not have this personal relationship and that was the whole point so our relational connection with Jesus produces this outward fruit-bearing result, right? Because I'm connected with the Lord, you know, who he is in me causes a manifestation of fruit in my life in the natural. And I think that's the way that it ought to be. All right, so if you haven't found Matthew chapter 6, verse 5, I gave you lots of time to get it. If you hadn't, just give up and follow my lips as I read silently. No, I'm just kidding. Verse 5, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everybody can see them. I tell you the truth, that is all the reward they will ever get. But when you pray, go away by yourself. Shut the door behind you and pray to your father in private. Then your father who sees everything that you do, he will reward you. Now, when you pray, don't babble on like Gentiles do. You know, they think their prayers are going to be answered merely because they repeat words over and over and over again. Don't be like them, for your Father knows exactly what you need even before you ask Him for it. Pray like this. And then here is, you know, the famous, what many people have called what? The Lord's Prayer, okay? Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food that we need and forgive our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us and do not let us yield to temptation but rescue us from the evil one if you forgive those who sin against you your heavenly father will forgive you but if you refuse to forgive others your father will not forgive your sins and when you fast don't make it obvious as the hypocrites do they try to look miserable and disheveled so people will admire them for their fasting you know they put a frown on their face and walk around you know kind of looking pitiful he says i'll tell you the truth that's the only reward they're ever going to get when you fast comb your hair just don't like scriptures like that wash your face then no one will notice that you're fasting except your father who knows what you do in private and your father who sees everything will reward you, right? So with these words, Jesus speaks of the outward 
religious practices versus this inward spiritual connection with the Lord. So whether it be giving or whether it be praying or whether it be fasting, I think these things are most often associated with religion. You know, I think those three things are what most all religious people do, right? They pray, they fast, they give. And so in this section of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is going to compare this inner life as opposed to an outward showy life. And so he, he, ba he basically develops two different types of prayer, okay? So for those of you who are taking notes, I'm going to talk about first what we'll call a um, uh, showcase prayer, a show-off prayer, showcase prayer, right? And then, um, well, that's kind of a person who's actually drawn attention to themselves. You know, that's what I call a showcase prayer. You know, they're trying to, I don't know what they're doing. We're, we're going to talk about that. I mean, it's uncomfortable, and we've all been around it, right? I mean, if you've been a Christian for very long, you've, you've encountered this. Um, I, I think this, this showcase prayer is, it's really more about you than it is about the Lord. You know, I really, really do. And that's why we call it a showcase prayer. Um, the second kind of prayer is a relational prayer. And this, this prayer is the kind of prayer that, you know, basically you're really seeking to have time with the Father, right? You're seeking to really have a personal connection in your prayer time with God. And so Jesus, for teaching purposes, he draws a distinct line between the two. And, and you know, we really, I think we all have to acknowledge that all of us fall somewhere in between the two. Because we've all been guilty of probably the showcase prayer, you know, when we were asked to pray over some something, you know. <laughs> always, it's always, it's funny, like, at, at Christmas or Thanksgiving or whatever, guess who always gets asked to pray? Paul's the preacher, let him pray. Like, you know, he's... And I never liked that, you know. I'm, I just always thought, you know, it'd be funny if I just said, God is good, God is great, pass the potatoes, let's eat, you know. And what they would do, they'd probably go, what is going on? So, you know, let, let, let's talk a little bit about the showcase prayer. Um, and it's, and I'm trying not to laugh, but... People change the tone of their voice when they pray. Have y'all ever noticed that? It's like, dear God in heaven, hallowed would be thy name under the star-spangled sky. And, I'm, and you're just like, what is happening right now? Why are you talking funny? Why did, you know, it's, or they start praying in King James. Dear Godeth. In heaveneth. Um, or people incorporate really elegant words into their prayers. You know, I've, I've seen people and, you know, they start praying out loud and they start using words. I don't even know if they're real words, honestly. I think they made them up, but they sound really good. And so they incorporate all these elegant words into their, to their prayers. Um, 
you know, I guess to sound more spiritual. Uh, and then there's people, who, there's people who have a personal agenda when they pray um, out loud in groups because they're trying to manipulate you into doing something that they need done. And so they, y'all ever been in those kinds of prayers, those convicting prayers? Like they assume the role of the Holy Spirit, the person that's praying, they, they just say, here, I got it from here, Holy Spirit, because all these heathens need to get right. And so they just start praying these, uh, these prayers, that, and, and they really pray according to what they want done and what others need to do to help them do whatever it is that they need to get done, right? I've been those kinds of uh, prayers before. Oh, here's another good kind of prayer, the gossip prayer. We've all been in those kinds of prayers. You know, we need to pray for so-and-so because, and I need to let you know what we're praying for. And 30 minutes later, we had a whole lot more detail than we wanted. And so, and, and now, looking at this, you know, only God can really judge, right? Because, let me clarify, you, you can change your voice in your prayer closet when you pray if that makes you feel closer to God. And that's from the heart. You can use elegant words in your prayer closet when you pray because you want to honor God and show him that you love him. And if that's real, I, I, I think that's great. So I, I don't want to come across as if I'm judging people when they're praying out loud because I don't want to discourage people from praying out loud because I think corporate prayer is a very important thing. It's just Jesus wants us to make sure that our heart motive is right when we pray. And, you know, for example, Matthew chapter 6, verse 7. When you pray, do not babble repetitiously like the Gentiles because they think that by their many words they will be heard. Don't be like them. For your father knows. So he says, like the Gentiles, they pray to God in name, but not in knowledge. They don't really know him. And so they're just kind of going through the religious motion of saying these prayers. And, you know, Paul, it's kind of similar to what Paul wrote the Romans about the, the Jews who didn't accept Jesus as their Messiah. He said, for I can testify that they are zealous for God, but their zeal is not in line with the truth. Romans chapter 10, verse 2. So there's this repetitious babbling, praying without any real content, okay? Um, you know, it kind of reminds me of like um, reciting liturgical prayers, and I've had people that have done that. You know, they just, they have these liturgical prayers, and they just read them, and it doesn't really, they don't really connect with it. Now, if you connect with it, I think that's great. You know, I, I know people that really, you know, whether they're Presbyterian or Episcopalian or whatever, they like the liturgy. They like the symbolism. It means a lot to them. They love the stained glass. It, it connects them with the Lord relationally. So I think that's great. I mean, whatever you need to do to connect, right? And that's why, you know, you'll hear our lead pastor say, look, during worship, if your legs get tired, sit down. You know, we, don't, we want you to connect with the Lord. That's the whole point of what we're 
doing here. And so, you know, having all these words that they're saying to be heard, praying with an attitude that, you know, God's not listening, and so he has to be manipulated with a whole lot of words for me to get an answer from him. No, God is not like that. We're praying to our Father, which means that's a family relationship with our living heavenly Father that we are connecting with. We're part of his life. He anticipates our needs. God knows what we need, right? And that's what, the, that's what the, Jesus said. God knows what you need. And so we can come to God, and we don't have to be fake. We can be transparent people. Um, we pass through that blood, and we can come into the throne room, and we don't have to have any guilt, and we don't have to put on a show, and we don't have to pretend that we're something that we're not. Aren't you glad? Isn't that good? I mean, it's just, you can connect with God anywhere, at any time. It's just all about the heart. So, how are we to pray? Okay, so Jesus, he tells us. What's a good prayer? How are we to pray? Jesus taught us how to pray in verses 9 through 13. Here we go. Our Father in heaven, hallowed would be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Now, I remember when I was a kid and I grew up uh, in the Methodist church, I went to church with my grandparents and they were devout Methodist. And I remember standing up and we would read the Apostles' Creed and then we would sit down and we'd do something else and then we'd stand back up and we would recite the, the Lord's Prayer, which it really wasn't the Lord's Prayer. We just called it the Lord's Prayer, but it's not a prayer. It's a teaching. It's instruction, right? Here's what Jesus says. When you pray, pray this way, right? So even though it isn't the Lord's Prayer, we often call it the Lord's Prayer, Jesus wasn't praying here, though. He was instructing them how to pray, right? In other words, your prayers should contain all of the facets of what I'm telling you here. In other words, you know, this, this will help guide you when you pray, you know, how many of y'all have ever been in a situation where it's like, I, I really don't know what to pray. I know I need to pray. And, you know, I prayed for my mom and my dad and my dog and my cat and my aunts and my uncles and my cousins and the church and the president and I don't know what else to pray. Okay, here's how you pray, right? And so Jesus is showing us, here is what guides your prayers, Right? So your prayers ought to contain all the facets found in this teaching on how to pray. So this was a model. It's not a prayer. It's a model. It's a model for us to look at. So when we pray, let, let's look at the very beginning. Our Father, okay, right off the bat, our Father. Now, when we pray, we pray to the Father, now, this may surprise y'all, but I don't pray to Jesus. I love Jesus. 
I'm thankful for Jesus. I let him know how much I appreciate all that he's done for me and the sacrifice that he's made for me. But, but Jesus, he is the one who has given us access to, help me, the Father, right? So when I pray, I don't pray to Jesus, I pray to the Father. I come into the throne room in my private, which is lots of times in my office, and I pray to the Father in private. L listen to this, John 10, verse 9. This is Jesus. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved, and he will go in and out and find pasture. Now, Jesus just said he is the door, okay? What do doors do? They give you access into other places, right? So I don't walk up to the door and say, hey, door, give me, help me, right? I walk up to the door and I turn the knob and the door gives me access to the one in whom I'm wanting to meet, right? So this is what Jesus does. Let me, let me give you another one. Because I don't want, you know, some people are like, this is blasphemy. He's, he didn't pray to Jesus. <clears throat> you know, well, I don't pray to Mary either, right? I mean, I, I don't even know if she's in heaven. I assume that she is because she's Jesus' mom, but I have no proof of that any more than I have proof of anybody else that's there, right? So I don't pray to these. I pray, who did Jesus teach us to pray to? Our, so I'm going to do what Jesus said to do. I'm going to play it safe, right? So John 16, 26, listen to what Jesus says. Then, and then is now, then you will ask in my name. I'm not saying I will ask the Father on your behalf, for the Father himself loves you dearly because you love me and believe that I came from God. So when Jesus was here and he was with his disciples, he would often go away by himself and pray, and guess who he was praying for? His disciples, okay? Lots of times. Here Jesus is saying, then, and that's now, after I am ascended, then you will ask in my name. Y'all hear that? Now, I'm not asking Jesus, I'm asking in his name, right? Through his name, I have access to the Father. So even, even you know, we, we have this thing that we do, and there's nothing wrong with it. I'm not, I'm, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it, so don't misunderstand me, but like, in Jesus' name. You know, we end prayers in Jesus' name. Well, it's totally unnecessary. But for a lot of people, if you don't end it in Jesus' name, you're like, you're going to hell. You just prayed. You didn't use Jesus' name. It's like, no, that's not really even what it means. It, in Jesus' name means in the authority that he has given us, right? In the authority that he's given us. So everything that I, you know, I don't eat a meal and go, boy, I state that in Jesus' name. I had fun in Jesus' name. I went to work in Jesus' name. I went to the bathroom in Jesus' name. You know, everything that we do is in Jesus' name, right? I mean, because in him we live and move and have our being. 
So this, this is, so, so we, we have to understand who we pray to. Jesus teaches us who we pray to and what our prayer should consist of. Now, now that we understand who we are to pray to, it's the Father, Jesus teaches us what our prayer should consist of. So you just have to ask yourself this question. Are your prayers mostly about you and your circumstances? Because Jesus gave us a model of what our prayers ought to look like. Here's what ought to guide the direction of our prayers. You know, do you consider interceding for other people when you pray, or are you just praying for you and your immediate family and your needs? Not that there's anything wrong with that. I've had people try to make other people feel bad because they pray and ask God for things. Well, who else am I going to ask? My earthly father is dead. My earthly mother is dead. You know, I'm going to have to go to my heavenly father if I'm going to have my needs met. And so there's nothing wrong with asking God for things. It's just you just want to make sure that your prayers are not one-sided, that they're just always about you and your needs and your life and your plans and your dreams and your goals. Not that God isn't concerned with those things. He clearly is. How in tune are you with the Father and what the Father might be doing around you and what part he wants you to play in other people's lives? You know, when I encounter people, I'm always thinking, okay, God, do I have a greater role here? Is this just a brief encounter and am I just going to have this, this very small part of this person's story or is there something greater here that you may have me be involved in with this person? And if so, how can I help them, Lord? And, you know, obviously probably one of the most powerful things that we can do is pray for people. Pray for people when they're sick. You know, people let me know, hey, I'm praying for you, Paul. I know you're not feeling good. I pray for you. And I pray, and I want you to know, I pray for lots of people in our church, you know, for healing and, and direction and God to move and deliverance and miracles and all of these things. So Jesus, you know, one of the things he said, he says, I only do what I see the Father doing. See, prayer and a connection with the Father are synonymous. The, the reason that Jesus knew what to pray is because he had a relationship with his Father. And the way that you have a relationship with the Father is through intimacy and prayer. You know, just literally just spending time talking to God and, and God speaking to your heart, speaking to your conscience. So this instruction from Jesus is, is really meant to guide the motives of our heart in prayer. And then in verse 14 and 15, everybody look there. He warns us that if you're unwilling to forgive other people of their faults, of their shortcomings, of how they've wronged you, then there's no point in asking God to forgive you. Because, you know, there, there's a lot of verses, like First John really covers this a whole lot. It says in one verse, I don't remember exactly where it is. Y'all can ask Josh after church, he could probably tell you. <clears throat> um, but, it, but it goes like this, it says, How can you say that you love God whom you cannot see if you don't love your brother and sister in Christ whom you can see, Right? So if we come before the Father 
bearing no grudges for anything done to us, then we can be confident asking God to bear no grudge against us. But if we are bearing grudges, and see this once again, this is this whole heart life thing, and Jesus just, he cuts through the chase, you know, because we, we, you know, the, the flesh, it, it likes to be prideful and, you know, look at me and I'm awesome and all this stuff. And then Jesus just kind of cuts through all that and says, look, let's just get real. You got an issue with her or you got an issue with him. They said something, it hurt your feelings. They did something, they shunned you. They forgot your birthday. They didn't say hi to you, whatever. And now you're upset about it. Now you don't want to admit it because you know, you're above that. And you're certainly not gonna give them that. But in reality, if we come down to the altar and we're here on our knees and we're doing business with God and we've got unsettled business with a brother and sister in Christ, then guess what? We've got unsettled business with God and with our brother or sister in Christ. So Jesus's prayer assumes that we have forgiven other people before we come to the Father trying to do business with him. And I, you know, I like that and I don't like that. Y'all understand what I'm saying? I don't like that because I just don't like it. My flesh doesn't like it. I don't, I don't want to apologize. You know, some people, you, you know, you just kind of, they deserve it. Just a little bit. You know, Abraham Lincoln, there was this guy and he, committed this crime and these people wanted to hang him and Abraham Lincoln he said I don't I don't want to hang him to death but I'd like to give him a little bit of hanging <laughs> you know and we kind of feel that way right sometimes with people it's like just just a little bit and so that that that's the part that you know <laughs> But then on the other side of it, it's like, it's good because it keeps us accountable and it keeps us real. Because we don't try to act all spiritual and stuff and we're not really being spiritual and stuff. Because our flesh is really good at like, you know, good morning, God bless, how you doing brother, good to have you here. And... <sighs> right? And so God just says, let's just keep it real and let's keep your heart where it needs to be. If you want my forgiveness and you don't want me to hold grudges against you, then you're going to have to give forgiveness and not hold grudges against other people. And man, that keeps us all honest. And guess what? It keeps the world in harmony and in unity and in peace. Because if we don't do that left to our flesh, Look at the junk that we are capable of. Look at the world that we live in today. An 80-year-old man was literally beat to death the other day for nothing. He did absolutely nothing, and he was beat to death. And that is what our hearts are capable of. Have you ever just like, you know, been in a situation and you, you know, something 
came out and you were like, y'all ever been there? And you were like, I can't believe I said that. And God's like, I can. <laughs> and your friends are like, we can, <laughs> you know, because <laughs> they know you. Yeah, it's like, it, it's funny. My, you know, my family, God bless them, you know, cursing is wrong except when it isn't. Y'all have family members like that? Cursing is wrong except when it isn't. Now, I don't really, yeah. I don't really know. I don't, okay, whatever. Moving on. Fasting. Fasting. The last few verses have to do with fasting. And Jesus said, when you fast, not if you fast, right? He said, when you fast. So he is assuming that we understand that fasting is a part of being a follower of Christ, okay? Now, just to clarify, go, go with me to Matthew chapter 9, because I like to back it up with Scripture. Matthew 9, verse 14. So it says, one day the disciples of John the Baptist, they came to Jesus and they asked him, why don't your disciples fast like we do and the Pharisees do? And Jesus replied, do wedding guests mourn while celebrating with the groom? Of course not. But someday the groom will be taken away from them and then they will fast. Well, guess what? The groom, he's been taken away from us, right? Now he's going to come again and, you know, it's going to be an aw awesome wedding yeah, you know, and yeah, that's another topic. You know, all of us guys in the room were like, "I'm not wearing a wedding dress," but I don't know. I don't really know how all that's going to work. But I assume that I will have to be okay with it when the time comes. I don't know. <clears throat> anyway, moving on. So while Jesus is away, it is a time to fast. Right, right now. While Jesus is away, we are called to fast. Now, fasting obviously can be food, and that's probably one of the primary things that Jesus is talking about because, you know, Jesus even mentioned a couple of different scriptures. He, one of the things he said, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. But then he also told the Pharisees, you know, didn't I say that your bellies are your God? And, you know, Jesus, he was able to gather a whole lot of people after he had that big feeding on the side of the mountain that day, right? Hey, free fish and chips. Let's show up to Jesus' tent meeting. This is a good deal, right? And so, and, and so food is probably a primary thing because we all like to eat and we all suffer and we don't feel good when we're hungry and that's sacrificial. And I think that is part of what fasting is about. It's sacrificial. It's depriving our flesh. It's, it's saying, God, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to deprive myself of this food just to show you that you're my God, not my belly, and I'm going to put you first. But there's other things that you can fast. I mean, you can fast entertainment. 
Um, the Bible talks about husbands and wives fasting uh, sexual intimacy for a time of prayer, um, but it says only for a season. And I think he wrote that for the guys more than he did for the girls, but you, only for a season because he said, you know, you don't want to open yourself up to unnecessary temptation in that area. Uh, you can fast hobbies, right? Uh, like if you, for, you know, like if you, there's something you really enjoy, okay, I'm going to fast that and I'm just, I'm going to focus on spending time with the Lord. Or there may be something really that you're like a dream or a goal or a miracle or a deliverance something that you are really intently wanting to happen, well then, okay, God, let, let me just show you how serious I am about this. And I'm going to show you that by fasting, not just with words, but I'm going to deprive my physical life and I'm going to bring my flesh into some uncomfortable places so that I can let you know that this is something that's really important to me. And I'm asking you to help me in this area, right? So that's kind of another area. But, but fasting and prayer, they go together. They complement each other, and they go together. Now, you know, once again, there's no condemnation for those who are, who are in Christ Jesus, and different people are in different places. You know, there's people with blood sugar issues and things like that, and you, know, you gotta be careful about how you do things. But, but everybody can fast different things. Every, you know, you can fast sweets, you can fast entertainment, you can fast whatever. There's all kinds of things you can fast. And the whole point of that fasting is to take that time that you would normally be doing those activities, eating, hobbies, whatever, and you are devoting yourself to prayer and focusing on the things that you are believing God for. So this, this is meant to be personal it's meant to be private between you and your heavenly father. Jesus talked about, look, don't, you know, just act normal. When you fast, just act normal. Do the best you can. Fix your hair, act right. Don't let anybody know that you're doing it. Don't go around announcing it to everybody. Hey, man, you want to eat lunch with me? Well, you know, I would, but I'm fasting. You know, me and Jesus, hmm, we're tight. <laughs> no, just if somebody asks you to lunch, man, can I, can I get with you next week? Sure, right? And you just, you don't have to say anything. All right, so in closing, when we look at Jesus' teaching about prayer, about forgiveness, about fasting, it's really sound teaching. This is good, solid stuff that if you'll just apply it to your life, it'll produce good results. It'll bring stability and security and confidence and uh, spiritual breakthrough, which we all want, and it will bring peace, peace to our life. Prayer, man, what peace can prayer bring to your life? It's just, just getting in God's presence, turning on some good, man, Kim Walker just came out with a new, I, I'm kind of a, I like her and Jen Johnson, some of these a little more old school, but they came out with some new worship stuff just not too long ago. And, um, and man, it's just so good. You know, I was listening to it in my office today as I'm, I'm preaching Sunday, so 
you know, I'm praying over my sermon and praying over the church and have this worship music going just in God's presence. And it's just, man, you just breathe it in, right? You just breathe in God's peace. And that's what prayer does for you. So as we walk in obedience to Jesus' teachings that he's covering here on the Sermon on the Mount, we will experience God's promises and we will experience God's peace. Amen? Did y'all get something out of this? Amen. Stand with me. So tomorrow we're all going to spend a little time praying extra, right, for someone who has a need. I think that would be a good thing to do. Let's close in prayer. Father, we thank you tonight. Jesus, thank you for teaching us who to pray to, what to pray, how to pray, how to live our lives. Jesus, thank you that you didn't leave us here not knowing what to do without any instruction, but you've given us your will and direction and how we are to live. Jesus, help us to walk that out every single day. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Amen. Have a good night. Thank you for listening to this message from Christian Ministries Church. If this message impacted you and you'd like to sow into our ministry, you can give at cmchurch.com. If you'd like to listen to more of our messages, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Just search for Christian Ministries. God bless.